Welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of May 26, 2014. This is episode number 232, and I am Adam Meyer, Principal of Interactive Strategy and Design at Interval. Joining me today remotely is... Jackie Olson, Account Manager with Interval. Hey, Jackie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am not bad. So Chris good. is gone today. It's just the two of us. What the, the hell what the is, heck he is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> we're down a we're down a a bastard here. Man down. <laughs> he is bastard town. <laughs> he is not with us because he is actually speaking in Charlottesville, Virginia, at Vishmapur. I feel like I've Bless heard you. him say it enough times that I think I have that right. And I believe he is speaking tomorrow, but he is currently en route. And so we're holding down the fort here. Yes. Yep. And then I do know that he will be at Whippermiss in September. And I also know that you can find a webcast um, on content marketing on the Shishmid website that is available as well. And then... Just a few more updates I suppose we can mention. That is just a little one. That's that his new book is coming out this fall, Joe Public 2, The Great Paradigm Shift. And then we also have a retreat coming up September 16th through 18th in our hometown of St. Paul, Minnesota. And that should be a good time as well. You can learn more about that at JoePublicRetreat.com. And uh, I believe the, the URL for Chris's book, upcoming book, J- JP2, Joe Public 2, is at uh, thinkinterval.com slash JP2. Uh, so you can sign mm-hmm. up for kind of a, a early notification of, of when that's going to be coming out. So the first article we've got today, or the first topic we want to talk about, is actually an interesting billboard that has popped up in the middle of Michigan. Um, where did you, where, how did you find, how did you run across this one? Did you find this one? I did, and I know that Chris ran across it too and had some thoughts on it, but I believe I received it from the Smart Brief for, on healthcare marketing. I believe that's what it's called. So just given the the title of the story, which I'll let you get into, um, it definitely grabbed our attention. So, <laughs> well, so, so the title of the article, Plastic Surgery Practice Wants Residents to See Humor in New Quote-Unquote Muffin Top Ad. Mm-hmm. So there's been a little controversy in the Jackson, Michigan area. Um, so there's a, is it a new practice, a new plastic surgery practice, or is it one that's been around for a while? You know, um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily new, but I think what happened, the controversy is that they originally had a billboard up that they took down because it was offensive. And that billboard, oh, I just had it pulled up. Oh, did you, oh, is there an actual visual of that billboard? There is. Oh, here it is. I, I read the description, but oh, oh, yep, there I go. Now I see it. So so, size, size matters, it says. Uh, yeah. And then there's a, there are two paper coffee cups on each size. One says B and one says D. So and if, yeah, I think it's it safe it to assume that that's really, yeah, they're talking bra size. Bra size, cup size, whatever the, whatever the term is for. That's I could see how some people <laughs> might take offense at that. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, uh, you know, it's in. I guess there's humor there, but it's a little. 
I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's it's kind of it's kind of taken it's kind of taken something a little. I don't know. I'm I'm all for humor and I'm all for having fun with this kind of stuff. And we we are definitely ones for saying take risks in your advertising and your and, and you know your marketing. Have fun mm-hmm. with it. Don't be afraid to have a sense of humor when it's appropriate. But I don't know. This one does rub me rub me the wrong way a little bit. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be offended by it, but it's. I don't yeah. know. What do you think? Well, I think so. I think in comparison to the one that they just put up, that is also getting some criticism. I think this one is maybe a little worse. Yeah. I think, and we'll get to the one that they have up now, but I think just generally speaking, I don't know. I think people just need to chill out, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this one I could definitely see being slightly more offensive than the other one, which I, which they have up now. And I just think is downright kind of humorous. Yeah. The other one's funny. So, so describe the other one, the new one, the one, so this is the one that we're about to describe is the one that replaced the original one that people found so offensive. Mm-hmm. And this one has a has a picture of it's actually quite cute. So two muffins, and then they look like you know the wrapper around the bottom of the muffins looks like it's a pair of jeans, and it says "Friends don't let friends muffin top." <laughs> and then now in Jackson, you know, for this Ann Arbor plastic surgery, and I think that's pretty funny. I feel like if I drove by that or saw it, I would definitely see the humor. In that. Yeah, that but this th- it's cuter. I mean, the execution of it is cuter for sure. So that helps. And mm-hmm. the, you know, the terminology is safer. I would say that. I mean, I you know, obviously yeah. with with the other one, um, it's clearly related to to bra size with the B and the the B and the C uh, or what mm-hmm. was it B and D or yeah B, B and D. D yeah. Um. So I mean that one's obviously directed at women. Now I believe you know muffin top I think is typically a term that's probably used. I mean it certainly is applicable to either sex, though maybe it still skews very much to the female <laughs> side. I don't think there's too many men getting rid of their muffin tops with plastic surgery. Maybe not getting rid of it, but they can have them. Trust you me, you can certainly have it. Love handles and you know the the whole works, everything hanging out everywhere. Um, so I mean it it just to me there's a little less of that gender. Uh, connection there although it's clearly still i mean uh, obviously it's it's probably still focusing on on females but and it's cute right muffin muffin top is you know it's it's, funny it's it's a funny term for you know a problem that can be addressed and it's a it's a and it's an issue that is less offensive probably or less maybe even less personal to some degree than you know i would guess than bra size or breast size that's true that's uh, true, and it's just it's just a lighter approach. I feel like to to something to talking about you know people's insecurities rather than just like right. a, a statement that size matters is just I can see where that's kind of yeah, slightly more abrasive. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing about it too, like, like I mean, you know, there's you you have some control probably. I mean, not everybody. I know there there people have you know it's it's easier for some people to gain weight than it is for others. Um, mm-hmm. But you probably have a little more control over your, you know, muffin top in the long in the long run, or your love handles, if it were, you know, as as it is for the men listening, um, you know. Whereas the other the other sign, you know, that's clearly not something that you know people have any control over. Mm, um, you know, it's just too, it's yeah. entirely genetic. Not that this isn't genetic too, but anyway, yeah, I think this is I think this is a cuter execution, um, kind of a fun way to get at something that's you know correctable 
Mm-hmm. And, and I don't well, know. Yeah, yeah. I think, but but they were. I mean, some people were still up in arms over this. So it was like it was like they took down an offensive one and put up a, an offensive one in its place. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, with stuff like this, you know, you do have to cut through the clutter. And I mean, someone. It's kind of funny because someone was commenting in this article: "Is this really even a news story?" And it's just so funny. I mean, they're getting, you know obviously publicity for this they you know there was an article written on the last billboard there's an article written on this mm-hmm. and yeah, that's good i mean it's working i would imagine it's working for them <laughs> in some way Yeah, i mean yeah the danger is i guess it all comes down i think it kind of comes down to to whether or not your pr like that is going to hurt you or help you is is the size of your community um you know if you're True. in the twin cities or a larger city uh you know i don't think that it's probably a little more difficult for like a negative kind of stigma to grow around you just because, mm-hmm. you know, with the larger the population, probably the less likely they're going to all rally around some cause to, you know, take you down or whatever. Um, but, you know, in a smaller community, not that, not that Jackson is small by, you know, it's not small compared to like a town of 2000, but I think Jackson's around 30,000, 30 to 40,000, somewhere in that ballpark, if I mm-hmm. recall. Um, that sounds right. So, I mean, it's still small enough where you probably need to be careful a little bit to not, you know, have the community create some kind of rally. Right. Kind of rally together and, in their offensive, in their offense to your message and, you know, choose to not use you. Because, you know, your local community is probably what you got in this case. I would imagine that a lot of people are not traveling to Jackson, Michigan, with the exception of maybe from surrounding communities mm-hmm. um, to have their plastic surgery done. So. Right. Well, and it, it's actually Ann Arbor plastic surgery, but but yeah, oh, still. Oh, well, they're advertising in Jackson. They're located in Ann, in Ann Arbor, which is about right. what thirty miles outside of Jackson. In we kind know of our be- Michigan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, it's between it's between Jackson and uh, Detroit on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Well, I'm sure people are probably more familiar with where Ann Arbor is than where Jackson is. So Jackson, you just keep on going up the freeway. Um, mm-hmm about another half hour and you're here in Jackson. Well, and I, and I think that overwhelmingly, especially with the second billboard, the gist I get is that it's being positively, like the majority of people think it's positive. And then you still have some people who don't agree with the approach, but, and then the, the company Ann Arbor plastic surgery said this ad is not to offend anyone. It's simply to get people to chuckle, try to see the lighter side of this ad. Yeah. So, yeah, there I you go. I, They're I, not I, trying I, to I, piss anyone off. The, ex- the execution isn't necessarily fantastic when it comes. I mean, the, the little image is cute. The typography needs some work. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, there, are, there are other aspects of it I could rip on, um, but it was, it was, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's fun. It's fun. But obviously, you put something out like that, you're gonna, people are gonna, you have to expect that some people are gonna be offended by it. Yeah, that's it, it reminds me a little bit of the billboards that used to be up. And I don't know if you remember these. Um, there was one not too far from our office in downtown Minneapolis um, in the warehouse district. It was for, oh, uh, what's the restaurant in Uptown with the gold front, the glittery gold front? Oh, Chino Latino? Chino Latino. Yeah, they had, they've, I don't think they're doing yeah, them anymore, had... but they, they had some mm-hmm. pretty overtly sexual ads up that just were, I mean, it, weren't even trying to hide the fact that they were like using using sexual terminology to either either describe the experience right. or to describe the food. Um, and there were a few that, like, I, 
had I been drinking something at the time, it would have been a total like blasted all over my windshield, either either in shock <laughs> that that was up there, um, or just in you know laughing immediately as soon as I read it. Um, I I know what you're talking about, and I can't remember exactly what any of them said, but I know what you mean. They were risky, and I'm sure they probably offended some people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our podcast should probably have the explicit tag on it anyway. But if I were to say read what they were, <laughs> um, it would probably earn the explicit tag to some extent. Um, anyway, maybe we'll see if we can find any links to the images of those. We can include those in the show notes too, if you're interested in seeing what they were. Yeah. We'll see if we can't find them, but, (laughs) but that's funny that that's just up in public. And then, you know, we get an explicit tag on our podcast if we actually said what was on the billboard. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think we've got enough. We don't have probably enough swear words in our, in our show to actually earn the tag, but only um, when Chris is here, only when Chris is (laughs) (laughs) here. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So we'll have show notes to the to the uh, links in the show notes to those articles. Mm-hmm. You can check out check them out. Let us know what you think about those. So let's move on to another topic. Uh, did you did you find this one too? So this is about email in patient communications with physicians. Who, I did. Who I believe this one. I believe this was this last smart brief on, brief on healthcare marketing was was a good one because yeah. that's where this one came from too. A short article, but um, mm-hmm. the, the title of it, 93% of adult patients want email communications with physicians. In I Becker's think, Hospital Review. From Becker's Hospital Review. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've got some thoughts on this. I mean, it's a short article. We'll have the, show, the link in the show notes, of course. What, what, is your, what, do you think, what do you think about this? Well, so, according to, I feel like we were... We just talked about a similar kind of survey. Well, I think it was actually from Becker's last time we talked about a survey. But um, but yeah, just that the the gist is that the vast majority of patients, like you said, 93% are likely to select a physician who offers communication via email, according to Catalyst Health Research. Um, and then I thought this was just an interesting add-on, and then we can discuss. Approximately 25% they would still said they would still choose that physician if there was a $25 fee per episode. And I guess when I read this, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting just to talk about, but it's not a shocker by any means. No, no. I, yeah, I, I'm of a couple of mindsets on this one. I think it really, to me, it it comes down to who's going to be responding to these messages you know, and what the, what the email communication is really about. Um, you know, for me, I've, I've never been, I've never been shy about sharing my feelings around email. I think it's kind of, um, Oh yeah. It's kind of, you know, you know, you know, it's, it, I think it's destructive to productivity, you know, in many, you know, typical kind of white collar settings where you're sitting at a desk all day. And, and I, I just, I, yeah, there's a lot of negative sides to email. Um, you know, I think people end up being kind of a slave to it. And, and I, I don't know that to me that I would want I that, that, that doctors are, well, you know, and it's for some people, it's really a, a significant part of their job. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if your role mm-hmm. is, you know, communicating continuously with clients or with, you know, internal people within an organization, um, you know, right. You live and breathe it essentially. You kind of live and breathe it. Obviously there's still ways to be smart about it. Um, you know, I think mm-hmm. we've, I think we we've we're good about that. Um, I think a lot of people are, are are getting there. I think email's role is is kind of continues to evolve in many workplaces. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've worked in I've worked in settings too where it's just like people are just slaves to email. Um, and I right. think people need to improve habits around that. Really, um, even outside of work, you know, we talked about that a little bit with that whole kind of fake story about France out, outlawing or making email after six o'clock illegal. The whole mm-hmm. the story ended up being <laughs> fake, but you know, there's, there's definitely some things to think about uh, with that whole subject. So in this case, so people said they are willing to pay $25 per episode, which I assume means per, I don't know if that's per email or per, you know, communication chain. Um, you know, assuming yeah, there's kind of some back and forth around a topic. It's not um, very clear, t- but yeah. Yeah, I mean, $25 per email could get a little crazy if you're going back and forth on something. I'm guessing that's not what they mean. Um, but I don't know. You know, I just, I, 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 can, I liken it to, you know, so, our, so the situation, I've shared a little bit in the past about the situation that my wife and I have gone through over the last year with, with our, our youngest mm-hmm. child, um, who, because of a genetic disorder, needed a bone marrow transplant. And, um, you know, we've had continual, or continuous, I'm not sure which is the right word to use there, con- uh, uh um, discussion and conversation with our physicians um, throughout this whole process uh, via email and phone oh, and have. in person. Um, but it's been very much just an open dialogue um, between us with our physicians. Now, this is a very, you know, it's a very specialized case. These are very specialized physicians who, you know, are, they're, they're not family practice doctors, not, not sure. that that's, you know, not to say that family practice doctors are lesser or anything like that, but, you know, family <laughs> practice doctors work with many, 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 many patients um, sure. for lots of, you know, little things and, and big things or things that are leading to big things. Um, but I think it'd be very different. I think the people who are responding to the survey are probably thinking more along the lines of things that would be fa- like family practice or internist or, um, you know, maybe sure, related like, to their pediatrician or their kids, something right. like that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, our situation, it was very different. You know, we were working with, you know, genetic counselors and physicians who specialize in like pediatric bone marrow transplants. And mm-hmm. um, they were very much, they were very, very open to con- con- this continuous conversation and email. If we ever had a question, we could shoot them an email. And in many cases, we'd get an answer back like at night, like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Um, cause these are right. people who, you know, they're just so devoted and, and so passionate about this, this specialty, this expertise that they have in, uh, in this specific area of medicine. Um, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that like family practice doctors don't have that as well, or, you know, passions and areas, but they can't be expected to be responding at the drop of a hat, you know, at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. Um, you know, people, I think if you're submitting an email at that time, which might be most convenient for some people, you're going to have to wait until the next day for a response. And then is that frustrating to you? Cause you're expecting something immediately. Um, right. it's just, well, I, I don't know how you make this work and, outside of some of these specialized cases where it's, it's a natural part of the process. Right. Well, and I can't tell if this is direct contact with the physician or just, they'd like to. Well, that's what it says. I mean, the title is patients want email. 93% of adult patients want email communication with physicians. So 93% are likely to select a physician who offers communication via email. So that's basic. That is direct email with physicians. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know if people know what they're, you know, if their if their assumption there is that that also includes be at least being able to communicate via email with, um, you know, a nurse at the location sure. or, uh, you know, a receptionist at the front who is in charge of scheduling. Um, 
are they kind of lumping that in or they literally are like, no, I mean that this means I want to communicate directly with the, with the physician. Right. Um, and I just, I, I don't see how a physician has time to sit down and respond to emails in, in bulk, you know? Um, you know, one of the reasons that it's a little, probably a little more practical, a little easier for um, doctors like the ones we've been working with for our son's case is that they're not sitting down and responding to people in bulk about little things. They're responding sure. to a, a, a few, their few patients that they're you know, working with at a very high level um, or very, you know, on very specific things about something they know, you know, a, a lot about. Um, right, right. So, yeah, I just, I don't know how you make this work. And I don't know that I want, I don't know that it's a good use of a doctor's time to be sitting down and responding yeah. to email, depending on, especially if it, it depends on the level of detail they need to get into for the response. You know, if it's like, yep, sounds like that symptom means this, um, here's a prescription to this. Uh, you know, well, if it's, if it's as simple as a diagnosis like that, but if, if you need to sit down and actually think about, you know, some deep response to something serious. I mean, you know how it can be. It can take you all day to craft that response sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would almost need to be all they do. You know, I mean, yeah. if if you're thinking that they're actually seeing patients and then, you know, responding to emails on top of that, I mean, that just seems pretty tough. But, but you know, again, I think this is just, this was asking the patient's what they want. And that's what, that's why I said at the beginning, it was, to me, it wasn't a shocker because I would love to be able to do that, you know, just because I am such an emailer <laughs> by nature. I mean, I just, sometimes I just despise picking up the phone and I mean, maybe it's generational. I don't know, but it's just always so much easier for me to just shoot off an email. Now that said, I don't know that the ex, I don't know that I necessarily expect my doctor's office to be able to handle those t- type of requests, but yeah, so yeah, I just, and I wonder if, if, I mean, would like in your case, would, is it, is it that you would want to be able to email them or that you just really would want, and I would want this too, the convenience mm-hmm. of being able to like, just go to the website for the, for the physician's practice, um, whatever mm-hmm. the clinic or the hospital, whatever it may be. Um, and like be able to quickly schedule an appointment online or to be able to kind of quickly, uh, you know, submit a message about, you know, maybe a, 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 you know, a condition that you're, that you're feeling and then or experiencing and then expect some kind of a response from somebody doesn't necessarily have to be the physician. I mean, I would like right. that. That'd be nice. Um, oh yeah. That'd be really nice. And that seems realistic because I don't think it re- necessarily requires a physician's time. It could be a nurse practitioner. It could be mm-hmm. a PA. It could be a nurse who knows a lot about um, whatever the message is that I submitted. Uh, right. I don't really care as long as, you know, it's an, an intelligent response from somebody who knows something about what I'm inquiring upon. Right. And, and same with like the online chat functions. I mean, I definitely gravitate to those as much as possible too, before, I mean, obviously before making a phone call, but this is a little different because ultimately I feel like, you know, you're just kind of used to going in, in situations like this. But I, I, yeah, that's just kind of how I am too. I just recently, you know, went through a name change when I got married and, you know, the amount that you, the amount that I could handle via online chat and like when, you know, credit (laughs) card companies like don't allow for the email and you actually have to call or print off a form and mail it in. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, I, maybe I'm getting a little far away from what we're talking about here, but just stuff like that. And it's, it's totally convenience on 
oh, for the yeah. convenience factor on my end. Yeah. So, oh, and no, there, totally. I, and there are little things that I think, you know, doctors' offices and stuff can do to even, even if it's not direct communication with the physician, that they can do to make that process, you know, easier for patients. So. Yeah. Well, we've got, you know, most of these hospitals and clinics are still struggling to even get EMR implemented, let alone, you know, well, right. introduce sophisticated systems for, you know, integrating with that and online scheduling. And, you know, we're getting there. I think hopefully within the next five years, we'll be closer to, you know, what is desirable for us in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, inquiring on scheduling or, you know, getting some quick information on a condition or, or whatever it might be or a symptom. Right. But I think it'll be more common and we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And it all comes and it comes down to cost too. I think there should, you know, if it, if it comes, you know, people here said they'd be willing to spend up to $25 per episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's a critical component too. Otherwise you're going to have people just sending in communications willy nilly left and right and getting pissed when they don't get a response. When you put a price tag right. on it and not like a super cheap price tag, like a, you know, a dollar or five dollars, you know, once you get mm-hmm. up to like over 20 bucks, if you know, you're going to stop and think, Hey, is, do I really need to send right. in my, my fifth email on this? Um, you know, cause it's, this is costing me some money now. I yeah, think, I that, think it's a good, even smart. if, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I don't, I don't see numbers like that there as something to like drive profit though. Hopefully they certainly, you know, would contribute to the, to that <laughs> profitability a little bit, um, right. more to be a barrier to, to keep people from, sending in that message or sending in too many messages it just makes you stop and think about whether or well, not you need to. Well, it's almost like to me, you know, it's almost the same cost as a copay, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. depending on how this would all work, you know, it's basically, do I want you know, do I feel yeah. like I need to go in for a $25 copay? You know, is it worthwhile for me to actually go into the doctor's office? I think the th- the same, you know, thoughts would occur here for paying, you know, $25 for an email. It's kind of the same yeah, I guess it depends on what what's going to come out of it. Um, you know, I, I could see you know, websites popping up that tell you, you know, what are you supposed to tell your doctor to get, you know, a quick, you know, oxycodone prescription or you know, <laughs> you know whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you've got people who are just experts at gaming the system and can call in and get their prescription, you know, whenever they want to. And now we're back into the, you know, misdiagnosis and over medicating, and you know, mm-hmm. is the answer always going to be? Um, you know, here's an antibiotic. Now you're happy. You know, give me a good, give me a five star review. Um, right. You know, we talked about that. I think in one a recent episode. Um, so I don't know. There's just a lot of logistics. There's a lot of you know weird things to figure out to make a system like this work when you're not actually seeing someone. I mean, it's difficult enough to make it work when the when you know the patient is face to face with the doctor. It seems in some cases, let alone having to figure this stuff out <laughs> right. over email. Right. So anyway, interesting, interesting. Good talker. Good talker. Good talker. Um, Well, we're actually pushing a half hour at this point. So we did have one other story about Foursquare kind of splitting off into the kind of splitting its services into multiple, multiple services, multiple apps with the release of their new app called Swarm. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe we'll, we'll save that one. We'll save that one for another show. Maybe. Okay. Well, and uh, I was in the meantime, if anyone has, uh, you know, experience out there with the new app and, um, yeah, you know, has any thoughts, let us know, let us know. We can take those into consideration as we consider talking about this one in the future here. I was, yeah, we can definitely save it, but I was 
intrigued to talk about it because well we can talk about it you, we can we can push the time here a little bit well i um i feel like we pushed the time on the last wasn't the last podcast like 50 minutes uh, we apologize. Yeah, I think it was like 40 40 ish <laughs> yeah we have so much fun well we can talk well, about this one a little bit we can get into it well and the only thing i really wanted to say was when you know i, I believe you sent this article along i had to really and maybe this is terrible to admit, I had to really re- like think about what Foursquare was about anymore. I mean, I had to like actually go to their website and check out like what they're doing. And it seems like it's essentially, it's kind of like a Yelp, right? Yeah. You and I check think, in well, and review places. And yeah, it's, it's morphed from what it once was. And I think what, what kind of the core or the original Foursquare audience um, likes about what they're doing now um, or maybe dislikes uh, to some level is that with the new app swarm that they're splitting off. So Foursquare, so Foursquare started off as a platform to kind of see where your friends were and to be able to meet up. And, and it was kind of less about the reviews. Um, mm-hmm. the review component of it kind of was uh, right. kind of a, it was kind of a natural evolution that it got into that. Cause it was kind of like, well, here's where your friends are. Um, it was very location based, obviously with check-ins. So it's kind of like, well, why not have in- information, available about where these people are checking in. And then that led to, you know, letting people promote their businesses in there with uh, deals and and promotions that you get when you check in, that kind of thing. So it just kind of naturally kept adding features naturally kept kind of being integrated into it. And it just started getting a little bloated and didn't really, it lost focus. Um, And I think people just started to kind of wonder, you know, what, is this exactly what should I use this for? You know, you had people who right. never, who had never used it before, who would download it and check it out, and they didn't know, you know, what exactly, what was the core idea behind this? What am I supposed to use it for? Is it for checking in? Is it for staying, um, you know, connected with my friends so they know where I'm at? Is it for reviews and exploring communities that I'm in, like if you're traveling, that kind of thing, or just your own local community? Mm-hmm. Um, so. They, they're splitting it. So that's really the core of why there's the, the, the main reason they're splitting it apart into two apps. So the new app swarm okay. is, is not about, um, or, or much less about reviews. And now it's that, that is about kind of the core idea of what Foursquare was originally, which is knowing where your Got friends it. are and being able to meet up with them. Um, so if they're nearby, it'll let you know. Um, and then the Foursquare app itself, the original app will, that component, will be removed from it and it'll be more about um, exploration and finding, you know, if you're like, you're traveling to, you know, Sydney or something and you've never been there before. And now Foursquare becomes the app, not swarm becomes the tool for you to, you know, learn about the area and what's interesting and what you might want to do, where you want to visit uh, that kind of thing. And it's all user, you know, driven information, or at least a a good chunk of it is. Well, so I, I think that's why when I was, you know, reading this and we can post this article, too in the show notes. But when I was reading this about, you know, this new Swarm and I went to check out Foursquare, I was so confused because essentially Swarm is how I remember Foursquare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like trying to study up on exactly what had happened here. Like yeah, I said, so- I should probably have been paying attention. To <laughs> <laughs> well, in Swarm, so the name Swarm, that was a, it was a badge you would get. It was a kind of like one of, it was a badge or an award you would earn in Foursquare. Um, so like oh. if you were at an event where there were a lot of people, uh, you would get this swarm badge. I can't remember the exact criteria, um, but I b- even believe that the badge was that little bumblebee that is now the kind of the the icon for swarm. Um, okay. 
So, so some of the other core features are going to change. Um, so right now, like within Foursquare, there's kind of that whole concept of being a mayor of a location. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that are going to change. They're trying to bring it back to being, I think, more personal and more about your own network versus the, the greater Foursquare network. Because before, you know, if you were the quote unquote mayor of a location, it was like out of all Foursquare users, there was one mayor. Um, mm-hmm. for one location. So you were the mayor of the Starbucks on, you know, third street and Penn or whatever. Um, now yeah. the mayorships are no longer based on the entire community. They're based on your individual network. So between like you and your two dozen friends who might use the app, um, if you, you know, frequent the same places, you know, one of you guys would be the mayor of that location. You wouldn't be quote unquote competing against the entire network. Um, so it makes okay. it a little more personable because who the hell cares if Joe Blow is the, you know, the, the, the mayor of Starbucks, uh, right. you don't know him. You're not going to ever know him. Good for you. Yeah. Good. Good for <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, so, so I think that's probably a good move. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out. They've gotten, I know they've gotten some significant investments from Microsoft, maybe some other venture capital, uh, to to take this further and take it in this direction to see what happens. Um, cause mm-hmm. I think Microsoft plans to use some of this data that Foursquare has gathered over the last, you know, however many years um, to integrate into Bing and other Microsoft uh, services. So there's okay. some money behind it. Um, we'll see where it goes. I think it's an interesting, I like the idea of simplification and keeping things clear um, you know, Facebook is doing that uh, lately, how it's kind of spinning things off into different little apps or acquiring, at least acquiring other apps, whether it's mm-hmm. Instagram or the, the, what they built with the paper app. Um, you know, I think the trend right now is to slow down with the software bloat and the experiences that become unfocused and, you know, start to zero in on, you know, sim- simpler experiences that have better definition and are just easier for people to understand um, right. You know, I was trying to describe to You're my smart. mom this weekend how, you know, it, it she can use like Facebook Messenger within the Facebook app um, to communicate privately with quote, quote unquote privately. You know, obviously Zuckerberg can read all your messages, but <laughs> right. you know, to, but then that doesn't go out to her whole entire network because um, she was mm-hmm. struggling a little bit with getting images up on uh, via SMS and stuff and looking for alternatives. So, you know, I, there's just there's there's a lot of you know, people don't necessarily understand how all these platforms work. And as they add more features, Definitely, they, yeah. they get, they, they, it doesn't help anything. So this is a good trend. I'd like to see it continue. Um, so I, I wish oh, these cool. guys the best and hopefully, hopefully it works out. You know, I'm, I'm, unfortunately I'm just not, I'm not the target market for something like swarm because I don't, I don't have enough friends in one area or that I like I'm just I'm not a social butterfly, so I don't I don't. This is just not. I, I would not you're, use this for anything. You know, I don't. I don't. You're you're not the mayor of your local wine bar. I I may be, and I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was briefly the mayor of not just a cafe, which is a tiny little cafe here, uh, in my in my in my hometown. Um, but um, <laughs> that was a short lived mayorship, and somebody ousted me rather quickly. See, and so, yeah, I mean, we don't need to get into it because I, you know, I still have a hard time seeing the appeal of even caring about why you're the mayor of anything, even amongst a smaller <laughs> group of friends. But I mean, whatever, you know, yeah, whatever I mean, floats I, your boat. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know, I think if you're the, there, I, I see different personality types out there when it comes to like how you engage in, in, in 
or how you approach friendships in life. You know, you've got some people who have a few very close friends and then you've got, you know, there are other people and obviously there's gray areas in between, um, you know, who don't have many close friends, but have just, you know, dozens upon dozens of more like acquaintance type friends. And Mm -hmm. to me, an app like this feels like it could be just great for those types of socialites who just have like dozens upon dozens of friends and will hook up with, yeah, well, no, you know, not, not hook up, hook up, but could hook up for a coffee or something, you know, at the drop <laughs> right. of a hat, uh, you know, at the end of the workday or during the workday or on a weekend because they're out and about, you know, this would be perfect for someone like that. But that is so not me that I, it's hard yeah, for me to me. even like talk about it. I've got a, I've got a few close friends and, you know, they're busy and it's, un, you know, even if they were, even if this little thing popped up and said that they were, you know, a couple blocks away at a coffee shop, it'd be very unlikely that I'd be able to drop whatever I was doing and go, you know, meet right. up with them. We'd have to coordinate that ahead of time. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we have to plan that like days in advance. Yeah, we so. gotta, you gotta, you gotta get onto my calendar, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see how this all pans out here. So yeah, it was fun yeah. to talk about it because I learned something that's for sure. Yeah, well, I've got it. I'm going to check it out and play with it. If anything, it'll pro- this will probably encourage me to use Foursquare, the app, separated from Swarm now as more of an exploration mm-hmm. type tool. Because I do ha- do certainly find value in that, whether it's traveling, whether it's uh, even here in the Twin Cities area. Um, you know, I I love having handy resources to find a, a cool place to go. Uh, yeah. You know, when 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 I have time to go to a cool place. Yeah. No, there's value in that for sure. Yeah. So. So. I like that. Okay, well, it's damn near 40 minutes now, so we should probably wrap it up. Here we got, we started gabbing, and look what happens right before the minute mark. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Um, you can follow us at uh, Interval Crew on Twitter. Uh, You can check out our website, thinkinterval.com. Find us on Facebook, too. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thinkinterval. A lot mm-hmm. of people re- end up referring to us as Think Interval, but uh, we're not Think Interval. You can refer to you us can, as, as the bastards if you like. You can think about Interval, but we're not Think Interval. <laughs> exactly. You should Think <laughs> Interval. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We will catch you next week. This is uh, Adam Meyer for the Bastards. And Jackie Olson for the Bastardettes. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.